Today we're kicking off a sermon series called Modern Families, and it's a take off the popular television show Modern Family. Um, and Modern Family is a comedy, and the idea of it is to kind of exaggerate, but get across the fact that despite or in spite of people's quirkiness and everything like that, that you're still a family, and this is the makeup of what a modern family looks like. So you have a traditional family of a husband, wife, and children, and you have an older man married to a younger woman, you have a homosexual couple, and this is the idea of a modern family looks like this. Well, there are some statistics about kind of what makes up a modern family in America today. 48% of uh, American uh, marriages end in divorce, and of those, uh, for, of those divorces, 70% involve children, and so for them, this is a change in family. There are over one million families who have at least one or more uh, individuals from their family currently serving in the United States military, and this is a change of family. There uh, is one in three, uh, one in three American families are a uh, blended family, and this is a, a change uh, for many of them. 29.5% of households with children are single-parent households. And of the 2011 college graduation class, parents of those graduates, 85% of them saw their loved ones come back home and move back in. This is family. And because we can't define it in a physical sense, we have to ask, what, what is the purpose of family? What are we supposed to look like? And the answer is found in this. We can't go back to the original plan. This is what the, the title originally was for the sermon. And I said, no, we can't do it because the original plan for family happened before sin entered the world. And so we have to deal with kind of the theme of it. And the purpose for family is that the family serves as a compass to point towards God. The people within that family... And that way that that family carries itself should point to others, point towards God. Now, I know that when you preach about family, and especially when I ask you to open to Ephesians 5, there are people uh, who, who get really tight about it. And I acknowledge that giving a sermon about family is kind of like walking in a field full of landmines. You're going to hit one. You just don't know where they are. And, and I'm fine with that. Um, but I, I want to put a few disclaimers out there. If the premise for family is to, to point towards God, that means that there are some quote-unquote families that are based uh, on sin. And what we learn about God is that God can't coexist with sin. And co so we can't expect God to come out of family situations that are grounded in sin. We can't do that. And this is another thing, is a lot of us have a past. And a lot of us, in some way, shape, or form, had our family structure torn apart or changed in the past. I'm not talking about your past. I'm talking about right now. In the family that you are in right now, there is no undo button as much as we would love it. So let's talk about the reset button. And right here and right now, how can family point towards God? 
And the last little thing is this, is in Ephesians 5, we're going to talk about the role of wives, the role of husbands, the role of children, the role of parents. And some people might say, well, I guess that's what God's idea of family is. Well, we know that in today's world, it's not like that. And so today we're going to talk, and I'm just going to ask you that if you fit one of those roles, wife, husband, child, parent, that that's the part that you listen to and ask, how can I grow in this? And so if you can turn to Ephesians 5, we're going to start in verse 21. This is, a, this is be, or before some people got a hold of uh, the Bible and put handy numbers on it. Uh, this is actually a continuation of a thought that begins in the, in the last half of Ephesians 4. And it's basically Paul telling the church in Ephesus that there's two ways to live. There's a way towards Christ-likeness, and there's a way kind of towards a me-first and he says, you need to strive to be a part of this Christ-likeness. You, you need to put aside the things of this world, and you need to live like Christ. And I think it's fitting that in this discussion, and this dis- discussion continues after it, family is in there. Because family is a tool that God uses to set people apart. Families that point towards God are set apart. They don't act like things on television. They don't act like the things of this world. They are set apart and they point towards God. And so with that said, let's look at what Paul has to say. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm not going to stop after every verse, I promise. But I will stop after this one because it sets up everything. There's going to be times in this sermon where you say, he doesn't know who I'm married to. And there's going to be times in this sermon where you say, they don't know my kid. And the kids are like, you don't know my parents. And I, I don't. That's true. And I think that's why Paul was very smart to put in here. Listen, you're working with broken people. Some may be more than others. But you're living in a family with broken people. And so you're not doing this out of, based upon the merits of that person. You do your role out of your love for Christ. You do what you're supposed to do out of your love for Jesus. Do you love that person? Yes, you should. But don't base your love and how you treat them on the things that they do because that's not the the way it's supposed to be. You do what you need to do because you love Christ. And with that said, he goes into this discussion defining some of the roles that uh, that people find themselves in in a family. He writes this, Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I'm going to be the first one to apologize and admit that these, these verses over the course of time from pulpits and households have been used to demean and degrade women. And that's not what it was supposed to be. This is simply a statement that wives, you are to love, honor, and respect your husbands as the church does so for Jesus. And once again, I acknowledge that some of you have it hard. We don't make it easy, I know. Some of you have it hard. 
but you are called to love, honor, and respect them. And when it says to submit in everything, it means this. It means that marriage, we believe as Christians, is more than just a physical thing. It's more than a name change. Something, something spiritual happens, and the Bible says to become one. They're identified together, and that means that when you make decisions or, or whatever you, you find yourself doing, you, you counsel with, with who you're married to, and you make decisions based upon what's good for the family, you, and you love, honor, and respect the fact that this is an open communication. And so you look and you say, as a wife, are you, are you being as the church to Christ? Are you loving, honoring, and respecting your husband even when it's hard? And even maybe when they don't deserve it, you do it because you love Christ first and foremost. Do you do it when he's around and especially when he's not? Are the words that you say to him the same that you say to your friends. Do you love, honor, and respect him as the church does with Christ? Paul then turns his attention to husbands. He says this, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any blemish holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but feeds for it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So men are called to love their wives as Christ loves the church, which then begs the question, how does Christ love the church? Well, this by all means isn't an all-encompassing answer, but we can start by this, is that Christ laid his life down for the church. He set aside what he deserved, and he set aside the things of comfort, and he did everything he could so that the church would be what it was called to be. Jesus loved the church despite its faults and despite some of the things that it would do. He still believed in it because he believed in this idea of church. And most importantly to this discussion that we have, Christ purified the church. Through his sacrifice, people who accept him as Savior are washed of their sins. He purified a people that were not perfect. Now, the travesty of modern-day churches, we throw this phrase around like it's candy. You are supposed to be, men, the spiritual heads of your family. But we never tell you how to do it. Here's the thing. Being the spiritual head of your family does not mean that you know the most about the Bible. And it doesn't mean that you can go quote chapter and verse when your kid messes up. What being the spiritual head of your family means is that you're the spiritual leader of the family and you take the responsibility to make sure that your wife and anyone else in that house is doing, you're doing everything in your power to make sure that they have as close of a relationship with God as possible. That is your duty. And in researching this, I couldn't get over this fact. Men especially, listen up. If you don't do your job, 
you severely sabotage the efforts of your wife and your children to live up to theirs. Because then they have to pick up the slack. We have too many women in this congregation who have to be the spiritual heads of their family. Are they capable of it? Yes, they are. Should they have to? No, because that's your job. Men, you are called to love your wife as the church, as Christ loves the church. And so you, you ask the question today, if you ask your wife, would she say, yes, you're doing that really well, sweetheart? If you ask someone who interacts with your marriage pretty frequently, hey, do, do I, would they say yes? Are you doing your part in making sure that your family is pointing towards God? Paul continues. He turns his, children, his attention to the children. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that, may, that you may enjoy long life on earth. <coughs> this is the first commandment with a promise, and it makes sense. Basically, if your family teaches you about God and they raise you up in the Word, then you are less inclined, doesn't mean it's 100% foolproof, but you're less inclined to go about and do the things that take you away from God. It's just the way it is. If, if this is what you're raised in, this is what you want to continue in, and guess what? Because you want to continue in it, you then pass it on down to your children. But you know when that doesn't happen what it's called? Old Testament. All right, you have the books, and you see this. You have a generation of people who do what they're supposed to do, and their children come, and they don't do it. Now, how many times in the Old Testament do the children's children take back everything? If there is one, there is, but it's not very often. Here's what happens. It takes one corrupt generation to go against uh, the, the generation that came before them, and then it takes four, five, six, seven to get back to where they need to be. It takes a prophet to come and say, you all aren't doing this right. Children, you are called to honor and obey your parents. Now, when you become 18, people call you an adult. I call you, you're still a child of someone, okay? You, you still have this obligation. You can still learn from those who came before you. And I know that this is hard for some of you because maybe parents were, were never in your life. And I know it may be hard for you because some of you wish that they weren't. But this is where we can show Christ. You're not called to love them based upon what they've done, although it makes it a whole lot better. You're called to show them love in Christ as Christ shows love to us even though we don't quite deserve it. And we do the things we do out of love for our parents. We do the things we do because we want to learn. And sometimes, yes, that means we learn from the things that they did wrong. But we learn. And we use that to pass it on if this is what happens to the children that come after us. This is the last part. Paul says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training <coughs> Excuse me. Training and instruction of the Lord. Parents, there is a line uh, between being a loving, caring parent and being 
an exasperator. There is a line between being a good parent who takes care and, and is involved in their child's life and one who is an overbearing instigator. Now, your children would like you to believe that it's farther over than it really is, but there really is a line there. And the line is this, is when it crosses from how can I make sure that my child is growing up in the Lord and doing the things that they need to do and looking out for their spiritual well-being, that is good, and it crosses into how can I get involved in their life and maybe live vicariously through them. Maybe it's a line between wanting them to grow up to be like Christ and wanting them to grow up and be like you. And it's hard. But parents, you are called to love them. And we have a perfect example of how to love our children by how God loves us. God did so much to make sure that we could have a relationship with him. God sacrificed so that that could happen. Perhaps just some time needs to be managed a little bit differently so that you can sacrifice time to be with your kid. Maybe, and this continues, that, that God... God loves us even when we mess up. And sometimes there's punishment involved, yes. But always with the hope of redemption and restoration. And so, parents, are you, are you loving your children in that way? I know that this is an exhausting sermon. Um, I'm preaching it, so yeah, it's an exhausting sermon, but... It's not an exhaustive sermon. There are plenty of other places in the Bible that tell you how to fit your role in the family that you're in. But it all comes back to the same thing. That you are called to do your part to make sure that your family is pointing towards God. That those who are in your family and those who are around your family can all see that this is a family that is grounded in the word and grounded in the Lord. No matter what happened in the past, my call for you today is to whatever situation you are in right now to accept that role. To say that I'm going to do my part to make sure that my family points towards God. Maybe today you've realized that it's actually your spiritual walk that's holding your family back. First, let me tell you that that's one of the best things that you can admit. But there needs to be a change. There is no undo button, but there's a reset. And if you need to make that reset, don't leave this place today without doing so. We invite people to come forward who want to accept Christ or rededicate themselves to Christ. But we also do this. We ask that this is called a, a song of decision, which means whatever decision you make, besides where we're going to lunch, whatever decision you make, you need to make here. And so maybe instead of standing up, you stay seated and you pray with your, your family. Maybe you talk with them and say, how can we point towards God in a better way? Whatever it is, don't leave this place. God has a plan for families, and it's this, to show him to the world. And that includes those who are inside. Will you do your job to make that happen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for showing us how to be a family.
Thank you for giving us Jesus and showing us his love for the church so that husbands can know how to be husbands to their wives. We thank you for the church. We thank you that through it we can learn how wives should love their husbands. We thank you, God, for showing us what it means to be a father, a parent, by loving each of us. And Lord, we, th we thank you for Jesus showing us what it means to be a son. That in his time of need, when he could have turned and ran, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And Father, let no one leave this place today. If there's anything holding them back from pointing towards you. My prayer is for each of us to be who you created us and placed us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we sing.